0: We're into a new, uh, new fall season, and, and with that, we're also into a new series. And you've seen it maybe if you've been getting The Encounter, you get that by e-blast, or you have seen it um, on the screens, but you also see it in the weekly where we're talking about trust. And the fact that you can build trust, it's a skill, it's something you can learn. And, and, and these Lego blocks are kind of our little uh, thing that, you know, if you had some Lego blocks as a reminder of, that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're building trust. We're people who are called to build trust. And so we're looking at, a, at first we're going to be looking at its, its foundation, and then next week its essence, and then we'll look at the, its culture, what it thrives in, and then its character. The kind of person that begins, or what are some of those things that, that, that show trust and reveal it and express it? And then it's repair. Is it possible when trust is broken, what do you do to repair it? So I'm going to ask you to stand for just a moment, if you would. I want you to stand. I want you just to move around a little bit. This is all exercise to keep you awake, get you going here. No. Um, I, I want you to stand, because I want you just to, to, to think for a second. How many of you thought about whether when you stood, the floor is going to hold you? Anybody have that thought at all? Probably not a person. Because thoughtlessly we get up in the morning and we wake up and we kinda go, out, well, you know, you know, if our legs are good and, and, and the floor is good and there's not an earthquake happening, we're just pretty sure about the foundation. And we get this incredible privilege that God gives us to walk through life physically with this understanding that this this stuff for the most part is pretty firm. And, and and it allows for us to do wonderful things. Well, you may be seated, okay. You were just part of the illustration. <laughs> he that's what we do. But what I think is really interesting is Jesus, is, he, is he's getting into the very last few points, in fact, the very concluding point of his, the greatest message that he had ever given. He's on a hillside and there's all kinds of people and he, 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 he gives this message and he gives point after point after point and starts with this, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those, and then he goes into it and then he ends up here with the final part of it. And he says, I want you to think about foundations. And he's not talking about the physical foundation, although he uses that illustration. He's talking about your life. And what is it that you're building your life on? Now, we don't often do that, and Jesus is. You know, when, when Joel was up here leading worship, he just hit something in me that connected. And, and we so often think about foundations. If we just have our own foundation, we think of the things that you know we got the right. You know, we're getting the right job, we got the right family, we got the right home that we're living in, and we got the right um, amount of money that we've got. And we got all these things. These are all you know. We kind of it's really, we get lulled into sleeping that that's our foundation. But the reality is that can all be removed. Our health, anything. And yet sometimes we forget about that. And Jesus seems to be saying here, wait a second, guys, check your foundation. Because you know what? With Jesus, you can even walk on the foundation of water. Isn't that amazing? That's the reality. He's calling us to understand. There is a spiritual reality. And when you think about that, that you get the privilege of building your life upon. And that's the question I want you to think about. Are you? Is that the case? It says here in in 7.15 of Matthew, he's kind of coming to the end, and he's making this point that trust when it is in God transforms. It allows for us to live with this foundation that allows for us to live freely and express all who he's created us to be which is all another question what does that look like for you in seven fifteen, he says watch out for the false prophets by their fruit you will recognize them be careful about people who who have all kinds of words that say they're trusting and they talk a lot about trust they sing a lot about trust they do all kinds of activities that look like trust and yet if you look at the evidence of trust, it doesn't seem to show up in their life because trust seems to show up like fruit, like character. And so he ends his message with these foundational truths and what it means to trust God. And, and the message I like the way the message paraphrases Matthew seven twenty four. These words I speak to you are not inc- incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes the word of God, instead of being that which is integrated into our life that is foundational, that holds us and its firm, is sometimes we look at this and go, you know, if I just read this, maybe it'll give me a better idea. God will guide me. I'll get a little bit more happiness, and I'll get a little bit more of this, and I'll get a little bit more money, and I'll be more... He's saying something really important here. His word, and Jesus himself, is not really about some home improvements. He's about the kind of person you build the structure of your whole being upon, which in sometimes may mean you don't have home improvements. It may mean you may suffer, you may have to carry a cross. There's things that, you know, he may call you to do in following that don't look like what the world seems to look like. There's two truths that I want to talk about, and I kind of want to unpack for you. Two basic thoughts this morning. Truth, trust transforms under certain conditions. And so I want you to think about, we're going to look at what are those conditions, and then I want to talk about trust transforms into Christ-like character. That's, in my mind, that's what this some of this message is so much about the Sermon on the Mount, but some of the message as we come to the end here is, is what it's talking about. There are certain conditions that trust, trust transforms when certain conditions are in place. Trust transforms when your trust is more than, than yourself. It seems like a no-brainer in one sense. But it isn't because every one of us becomes self-reliant from the very day we're born. We learn how to, and we, and the message in the Word of God is all about learning how to live a life that is God-reliant as you use the gifts he's given you. And so Jesus makes it clear. He makes some distinctions as he concludes his message, and he's really black and white about this. He doesn't say there's a middle ground, kind of like you and kind of God. He, he says this really simply in verse 13 and 14 of Matthew 7. There's two gates. There's a broad one, it's an easy one, it leads to destruction, and then there's a narrow one, it's constricting at times and leads to life. He talks about two prophets. And none of these does he give you a third option. He says two prophets, verses 15 through 20. One true, one false, a false prophet like a bad tree bears bad fruit. There's two followers, two kinds of disciples, two kinds of people who say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Verse 21 through 23, there's a true one and a false one. The true one knows Jesus, and Jesus knows that person. And the false one, who looks like they may know Jesus, when he calls out to Jesus, Jesus goes, I never knew you. In fact, away from me. And then he concludes with this. There's two builders. There's two builders. There's There's a wise one that builds foundationally, on something solid and secure, and then there's one who's foolish. So verses 24 through 27 says this, "...therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand." The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And Jesus sends a message. I think people clap, and they're saying, boy, this is amazing. We've never heard words like this. This is a guy who speaks with an authority that's so different than all the other leaders and teachers. Even the best teachers we've heard don't speak with this kind of authority. The words of Jesus about these builders force a question. Kind of what I asked you in the beginning, what is your life being founded on? There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19. It's just kind of an interesting verse. It talks about what trust is like. It says, Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. You ever had that kind of situation? You know, you forget, maybe you hurt your foot and you get up and you go, oh, and it kind of, or or you have a toothache and you you, you chomp down on something because you're going to get nourishment and and you can't get the nourishment you need because you're relying on something that is not reliable. And so what, what we find what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know, you guys, I want you to think about your life. And what I want you to do is build on a foundation that is not of yourself, but is full, totally and fully on God. And what does that look like? What does that mean? So that when, when push comes to shove, when the trials come, when the testing comes, when the storm comes your way, when things begin to start to happen, you have a foundation because of the word of God integrated in you and what God is doing that holds you firm. Wouldn't that be great? That's what he's calling us to. So you get this picture as you start to read this with your life. He's saying, are you building on someone solid? And Jesus says he as a person through a personal relationship, which you can have with God through Jesus and through every word that speaks forth, that he speaks forth from him. If you build your life on that foundation, it has the ability to hold you firm. The message says, the words I speak to you, says Jesus, are foundational words to build a life on. So if you want to think of it this way, I think about this very fact that the fact that someday um, we're told that everyone will experience a storm. Everyone will experience something in their life. And also the fact is that every one of us, when we come to the end of our life, will stand before God. And I want to tell you, standing before God is not some kind of thing where you go, up, hey, God, how you doing, man? It has more of the sense that he will look at your life and be able to examine it and see whether where how you've lived and and your life is it is it worthy of coming into his presence i remember one time i got a traffic ticket down in uh chicago area and i was in college and and i the policeman pulled me over and and he gave me this ticket and i I'd never done this before because I knew, I I really felt like I was in the right, and and so I went to contest it. Well, I didn't realize it took me almost all day. There was like 35 people in front of me. And I'm standing there waiting all day to get in front of this judge and feeling like I got this case, I can share this case with them. No one up to that point when I got up there got off their ticket. I'm thinking this is probably going to be a waste of time. I get up there. I don't have a lawyer with me or anything. I get up there. I stand up there. And the police officer's there next to me, and he says, well, present your case. Honestly, I could hardly speak. I was so nervous, and I really felt I was right. I mean, I could, seriously, if I could tell you the panic and fear, and and I thought later, man, that's not even close to what it's going to feel like when I stand before God. So I finally got it out, and I told the story. And the, but the policeman had, because I couldn't speak, shared the story first. He had it wrong on the side of where the car was, just that. And the judge said, throw it out. I went, whoa! It was really cool. Anyway, it's not about me. Okay, anyway. So, but here's the point. I was scared to death. You're going to stand. Someone, of us, we're going to stand someday. Just let's look at it in the sense of just standing before God, being in his presence, even now. He's basically saying, if there's a foundation, and if you think it's because you're behaving right and you're believing all the right things, that somehow when you get to God someday, he's going to look and go, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. 80% of the time you're pretty good. Let's look at the belief things. Oh, you got that wrong. This, Yep, 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 yep. Oh, oh. Boy, 89%, 93% in fact you got right in beliefs. And he's going to go, doesn't matter. There's only one foundation that trusts that can save you because it's not about a thing you can do. It's not about believing right, behaving right. It's about one thing, God in Jesus Christ grabbing hold of you and saving you because you said, yes, I recognize that it's not anything I do, believe, behave or anything, but it's only what you have done for me. And in that alone, I just cry upon your mercy. I get on my knees and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you that you on a cross took my sin and you removed it from me. I heard Ann Graham-Lotz was asked recently about her father, Billy Graham. And they asked how he's doing. I had the opportunity a few years back to meet Billy Graham, get a picture with him was one of these fast little shots. And, and he wasn't doing well then, and, and he's not doing well now at all. And they had some conversation, and one of the things that Ann Graham-Lotz said about her dad was, you know, one thing he does ask is, did I do enough? Now, I don't think he means it about salvation, honestly. But I just want to ask you this. If you're thinking about, did I do enough? Did I believe just the right things? If Billy Graham's worrying about that, let's, how many think you, do, you did better than Billy Graham here? There is only one foundation. There is a righteousness that comes not from ourselves. And I mean whether it is right, conduct, Or right theology it is only one thing that saves us it's jesus himself because of the love that is in god that grabs hold of you and says no matter what you've done no matter what you've where you've been i am going to grab hold of you because it's about me not about even how much you love him now what happens is when you begin to fall in love with him you begin to fall in love with jesus in this personal way and you begin to understand who he is just like you start hanging around someone you start hanging around someone you just get to know them and you get to this look at their life and if there's someone who's really wise and they're really sharp you begin to go well, i want to kind of live a little bit more like that and you begin to understand that all that jesus said all that jesus did was good and right and as a result of that you begin to start behaving in ways that change you begin to start believing in ways that really foundationally change your life so here's what happens when a storm comes when your health is, is, is at risk. When you go through a crisis like 2008 and your finances are tanked and you're wondering if you have anything to retire on. When you come into a situation where maybe you find that a partner that you have loved deeply has left you. Or you've had this illusion that your family is really good and it starts to fall apart. I don't care what it is. The storm's hit and you feel it. I want to tell you, those kind of things rock your foundation. And when God and, and His presence and His Word is, is undergirding you and it's integrated into you, it's not saying that you won't be shaken, but your foundation will stand. There is a reason, and I share this often in different contexts. There is a reason why in the Old Testament, when you look at the first commandment, that, that, that God says this, do not put any other God foundationally or before me. Now, I have to confess, when I was younger, I thought, man, that just feels a little like a needy, selfish, egomaniac, kind of self-centered kind of individual. Until I began to understand the truth, the deep truth of God's word. What, what God is doing is out of deep love because he just knows. I want everyone to raise your hand just for a second, okay? Just raise your hand. Good. Are you awake? You can put it down. You know why I want you to raise your hand? Because every one of you will someday face a trial. And when you hit it, God, his deep love for you, says don't put your life on any other foundation. Don't be basing it on your health. Don't be basing it on your finances. Do not be basing it even on your great marriage relationship. That could be God. Don't base it on your kids and how good they appear. Base it only on one thing, only one foundation. Do not put any other God before me. I don't care what that idol is. Don't let it be there because it will not hold you in the time of trial. That's how much God loves you. He's not trying to make it difficult. He's not trying to constrict you. He's not trying to say, you know, I just need a little more tension up here. He's like Jesus saying, if you want to live and you want to be wise, there's a foundation, there's a foundation that you have to rest upon. But if you want to try and be better than Billy Graham and you want to be believe better than the theologians and you want to somehow think it's all about you, you are on the wrong foundation. There's another condition. Trust really transforms when it's not just, and when it's more than yourself, it's really in God, it really transforms when it's more than just words. Trust transforms when it's more than words. I've had the opportunity this summer to to, to really coach and, and to help some of our um, staff preach and, and teach, and we've had some great people speaking, but I just, I think of like Bruce Drudsman, who our middle school pastor who spoke, and then Joel who spoke in a, in a, um, a few weeks back, and Mike Brinkman, and... I had this um, one point, Joel, you said something in a message. You don't realize this, but I, I had Joel speak the message to me alone. How do you like to do that? But when he was preaching to me, he said something that just resonated deeply in my heart. He said, so often we fall in love with the concept of worship, but not necessarily the heart of worship. Which isn't about music songs, isn't about liturgy, isn't about anything. It's about a surrendered heart that when it is in the res- presence of God, responds to God. But hit me was we fall in love with the concept. And I thought about it, and I thought, we fall in love, folks, with the concept of trust. So much so that Jesus says at one point, you know what, you can say, Lord, Lord, you can have the right words, and you can speak all kinds of words, but they that's not the deal. Trust is more than words. Because we love to talk about it and sing about it and pray about it. We love to tell others about it. We, we put it in bookmarkers and we put it on bumper stickers. And, and we, have, you know, as a nation, we're pretty cool because we actually put it, you know, we will actually seal it on our, our money. We inscribe it on in cornerstones. We just love the concept of trust. But when a trial comes... What does trust look like in your life? I, I thought about it. What does it look like in my life? You know, when a trial comes, it's kind of like, God, what in the world? What are you doing? Anybody like that at all? Okay, a few of you. That's good. And the rest of you, you can go home right now because the rest of the message won't apply to you. And because when the, when the trial comes and when the things hits, when you feel offended, what do you do? Oh, I can't believe what this person did. Instead of going to the person, instead of doing the things that God says foundationally will build trust, we often do the opposite. What do you do when, 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 when someone hurts you? What's your natural reaction? It's what? It's to get hurt back. It's retaliate. Talking about the concept never transforms anyone. In fact, one of the things I encourage you to do is to listen to how often you may talk about it versus really have someone watch it in your life. Trust transforms when your trust is more than activity. That's another thing that that, that I think is very important in this. He's saying it's more than just yourself. It's what you build it on. It's more than just words. It's just not a concept we like. But it's more than just activity uh, in in doing things. He actually says, and he hits this one really hard because people in his day were confused because there were a lot of people who were going around talking about it and they were going around doing all kinds of good religious activity and when they were out there doing it, people were confused because by their fruits, they didn't seem to be any different. I sometimes wonder about that in our own case, in our own nation. All kinds of people go to church. They sit next to people in cubicles who who have people who go to church maybe at Christmas and Easter, but they look at their life and they go, I don't see a whole lot of difference except for your activity. And the main point of these verses in 24 through 27 is here. It says, therefore, Jesus says, everyone who hears my words see, we might like to talk about words and we might like to put in activities where, where we listen to God's word. We, we, we come to church services like this. We, we may put it on the radio and listen to it. We may go to adult classes. We may go to Bible studies and discuss it. We may have our own personal Bible study where we read God's word. But, and those are all good things. I'm not saying they're bad. But Jesus seems to say people who hear the word but only actually put it into practice are like the fool listening to God's word it is not enough, says Jesus. And the question is similar to the one before. Is your trust more than words? Is it more than activity? What does, what does it look like? What does trust truly look like in your life? Now, I encourage you to do this. This is something that may be really difficult to do, um, but people who want to live on the edge and really want to lean into trust right now, i would invite you to ask someone who's known you for some time it could be uh, your wife your husband it could be your kids it could be a parent it could be a close friend i invite someone who has known you for a long time and ask them this as you look at my life over the last five ten years am i a more joyful person if you look at my life over the last five ten years am i more patient I'd really like to get just kind of a track reading on this. If you look at my life, am I kinder? Or you might want to go the other direction, and you might ask this. You know, as you look at my life for the last number of years, am I less angry? As you look at my life, am I less boastful? Am I less discouraged? Because what that will do is get to the root of what trust talks about. Trust is not about yourself. It is not about a bunch of words and a concept. It is not about a bunch of activity which we can get caught up in. Trust is about being in God, and in God, something transforms you because trust transforms into Christ-like character. Think about it for a second. If you were to tell someone what trust looks like, what would you say? If so I was to ask you to talk to the person next to you and say, here's what trust looks like. I did this first service, had people turn, and I won't do that for you. It was a painful exercise. You know what it looks like? Looks like Jesus. That's what it looks like. Trust looks like Jesus. There's this interesting truth that when when trust gets into our life, when you actually do that, it transforms your character. So I want you to think about this. I don't want this to be another thing where you just heard and another thing that we just, you know, is another activity. I want you to think about something right now in your life, something that is real, something that causes you concern, something that maybe makes you worry, something that may be discouraging to you, something that may put you into a place of fear I want you to take something right now in your life, put it in front of you, just name it, one thing, and then say to yourself, what would trust look like in this situation? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really asking us. I'm asking you to encounter the personal living Jesus right now in this sense and saying, Jesus, here's this thing in front of me. If I'm in to trust, what does it look like? And here's what it looks like. It looks like Jesus. It looks like trust, looks like joy. Transforming trust... That looks like Jesus, looks like joy. Here's a verse that that, that comes from James. And I'm going to give you a few verses as we go through these things of what trust actually looks like when it looks like the character of Christ. I'm going to give you a verse in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that you can just hang your heart on. He says, "'Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, "'when you face your rock by storms that, that mess with your foundation, "'when you face trials of many kinds, "'because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance.'" Let perseverance finish its work. This is trust in God over a period of time. As it's doing its work in your character, as you do it, you have an attitude of what? Joy. Why? Because you believe that God's doing something in you. It's more than your circumstances right now. In fact, it's really interesting that as you read the first, this message that Jesus gives at one point in chapter 5 verse 10 through 12, he says, happy, or if you want to use the word blessed are those, joyful are those who suffered persecution for the cause of goodness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now catch this, because this is not something that I think we all get real happy or joyful about. And what happiness will be yours, what joy will be yours when people blame you and they'll treat you and say all kinds of slanderous things about you for my sake. How many get real excited about that? This is wonderful. I've been slandered. People aren't treating me kind of in a way that I don't like. Be glad then, yes. Be tremendously glad, Jesus, for your reward is in heaven. is magnificent. That's what trust looks like. So what in situations and circumstances you're in? Trust looks like peace. Here's another verse that comes from this passage, this great message in Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Jesus says, So my counsel is this, Don't worry about things, food and drink and clothes, for you already have life and a body, and they are far more important than what to eat and wear. Look at the birds. I don't worry what they eat. So I don't know what you're holding right now. Let's say you're holding something right now. It, it, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a situation that you, you're, you're afraid that God isn't going to provide. You could be just like the lady in that song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." What does trust look like for you? It seems to be leaning into God and leaning into God with his peace guiding you. Trust looks like peace. Trust looks like, looks like love. Again, one of the foundational truths from the message that he gives, that he says, integrate this into your life. Try try weaving this into your very soul of your of your life and, and, and into the foundation of who you are. He basically says, there's a saying, love your friends but hate your enemies. But I'm going to tell you that this is not the way it is in the kingdom of God. He says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true sons of your father. You, true sons, who's the only true son? Jesus. You will look like Jesus. You will act like him, for he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust too. He, see, God doesn't give a preference. I'm going to put a little sun on this person because I liked what he did today and a little rain on this. That's not how God works in this world. God in this world gives his sun to both. Because it's not conditioned on what they do. So I don't know what your situation is. You may have a concern and you may have this situation in, in your life and, and God is teaching you right now. He's teaching you what trust really looks like. Trust looks like going against what you naturally want to do. Trust looks like maybe praying for that person and blessing that person. And trust means looking that person in the eye and just in loving that person. And I, this isn't easy stuff. I know, I've worked and you have someone who's done and they just seem it out for you. You're at work and you kind of go, I can't hardly stand this person. But what does love look like? What does trust look like there? It looks like love. And the last is this, trust looks like hope. Again, in this verse, Jesus says, you know, guys, ask and it'll be given. You seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. This is, you have hope in God. This God's going to, he's going to respond to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and those who seek, find, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Trust looks like this. It looks like an undying, always believing, never giving up belief in the goodness of God. Uh, that's what it comes down to is you know what no matter what situation I'm in I have a God and here's what's really important it's not a God you're trying to hold on to so hard could you, you mean, oh, I'm going to just hold on to you, God, through the storms. If I could just hold on to you. That's still about you. It's about a God who's going to hold on to you. And when he holds on to you, you can do it with joy, and you can do it with peace, and you can begin to express yourself with love, and you can do it always with a foundation of hope because you know this God is good, and this God will be good to you. It's a whole lot more than our trying to do it in ourselves. A lot of us say, oh God, I believe in you, but this is what I want to have happen, so we in ourselves try and manipulate to make it happen. We really can be good Christians. You even use verses of Scripture to get what we want done and say, God, I'm going to trust you to do it. My hope is in you and you alone. And it's a lot more than words. It's more than just coming here. And if it's just coming here, and we're singing songs and we're just talking about it, but we're not actually, actually leaning into it with the very real things that you put before yourself here and beginning to allow God to change you to become like Him so your character is like Christ. That's what our whole mission is. Our mission is this, that you will actually know Jesus and you will with your whole life follow Him. And you will, through obedience, become like Him. That's exciting. That's what trust looks like. I'm going to ask the team to come forward, and I ask you to bow your head. Father, I get really excited about talking about this, and yet at the same time, I know in my own heart and life, the actual when a rubber meets. That road of life, just like every person here, to choose joy, to remain in peace, to act against my nature and love, to look and know and hope that you are the God who said you said you are is good, and then just to rest in that foundation is not easy. And so, God, I pray for anybody here who is in that place and they're just, they've come to the end of themselves. The foundation, the, the things that they have been trying to do in themselves is just not working. I pray, for, I pray for you right now. If you're in this place and you feel really broken, you are at the end of yourself. Just open your heart because God wants to grab hold of you, and he is even now. He is your foundation. Let's recognize it and tell him thank you for being my foundation. Thank you that it's not about being perfect and about me doing it right and believing everything right. It's just about me believing that you've just grabbed hold of me. I trust that. I trust that in Jesus you have forgiven me and given me life. If that's your heart, receive it now in Christ's name. Amen.